Welcome to episode 48 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we drill into the 10 reasons we don't believe in discounting our services. We reinforce why we don't want to be the cheapest options. And we provide five alternatives to discounting that create additional value for your customers without leaving money on the table. And in WWAWD, Jenna has a question about pricing hourly versus per project for a new business she's launching in 2022. I'm jazzed about that question. That is something that I deal with a lot. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. So my friends, have you ever priced your services so that you're in the middle of the pack? or so that you're competitive with people who are offering something similar, look like you, or at the same level of education and experience as you. Be honest. Have you waited to put a price on something until you've investigated what other people in your industry charge so that you don't charge too much? Me too. In fact, I did this exact thing today as I was writing this episode. Even though I talk all about providing value, why discounting is a race to the bottom, and how me and the people I work with want to create high-end experiences and have their customers invest in them, I still found myself in this trap. A little bit of background information from my situation, I want to be on more stages. This is not something I'm shy about. I want to be preparing and delivering impactful keynotes and conference presentations for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders. And I want to ignite the fire in people who are tired of waiting for their invitation and will benefit from some don't ask, don't get wisdom. So how does this connect to pricing? Well, About a week ago, I was looking at the eSpeakers website, and there's a variety of speakers on there and their rates, and the first thing that I noticed was that the majority of men I saw on the website had rates starting at $7,000, $10,000, or $12,000, and most of the women I saw priced themselves at $1,000 or $3,000, with the occasional speaker priced at $4,000. I know I'm not clearly comparing apples to apples here. I did not look for a difference in years of experience and years of education or in specific topics, but under an umbrella of talking about leadership, talking about ambition, I noticed a big difference in confidence and price. What that made me do is it made me look at the next proposal I'm preparing and think, So should I be pricing it right in the middle? Should I be at the the $2,500, $3,000 mark just so I can stay competitive and maybe be on the high end of competition? When in reality, earlier this week, I had a conversation with a talent agency who said the time to call us is when you have completed 10 keynote talks valued at $5,000 each. 
So I had this worthwhile information from a trusted source saying, get yourself to the $5,000 mark 10 times and then call us and we will fan that flame. And then I see on another website that most female thought leaders in this area are pricing themselves between one and $3,000. Liz, what are you thinking? I see lots of head nodding. I mean, my reaction to the pricing that you saw on the website, unfortunately, doesn't surprise me, which makes me sad. So that's my reaction. I'm a surprised, I'm an unsurprised sad over here. Right. Yeah, I think it's so common to underprice or undervalue and clearly a reason why this podcast episode is going to exist. And how frustrating is that? And I want to clarify for my ego, you're not saying I'm not surprised because Amanda is no. like insecure about her price, but you're like, you're not surprised that we're seeing this massive gap. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So when I look at this, I had to make the connection again, these things are happening in real time that as I am writing this script saying, here are 10 reasons why discounting has to be ditched. And we have to get over the urge to add a 15% discount on our services. I'm I'm encountering this exact same thing because it's so easy. It's like, I'm waiting for permission for somebody to tell me that I could price myself starting at $5,000 and offer significant value and not be an asshole because I'm pricing myself where these men are pricing themselves instead of with the other women. Liz, how have you experienced this where you know what you want but may still find yourself compromising on it. I definitely had the whole pricing overwhelm, figure out what the hell this looks like when I started my business and asked very similar questions to what our WWAWD question from Jenna is today. I I don't have any specific examples, but I also wanted to tie it to those people who maybe don't own their own business or aren't an entrepreneur. I think this applies also I was in this situation many years ago, seeing jobs that I didn't even bother to apply for because I didn't think I was qualified or would be looked at like, who does she think she is putting her name in for this? You know, I eventually learned the lesson, just apply for it and see what happens. But I think that this sort of logic applies in so many situations beyond just pricing too. You're absolutely right. When I sent out a proposal earlier this week and I was sweating a little bit over it and I had, I had a brilliant mind in my ear who helped me talk this out, who said, if this proposal that you're submitting, if this was a job you were applying for, what would you expect to be paid for it? And instantly I could say, yes, this is where it should be. I am offering a specialized high-end service So why am I trying to put a discount price on it? I am devaluing my results before I even let this person explore what I'm willing to offer. So there's clearly some frustration and some some zest in here. And long story long, even though I encourage my clients to stop discounting, I get caught in the same trap with the temptation to price myself in that meaty middle, in that middle part of the curve so that I could blend in. The ultimate irony is that in terms of my career, my ambition and what I want, I don't wanna be in the middle of the pack. That's not what I'm trying to achieve here. 
So when this happens, I find that I need to go back to my own advice about why we need to ditch discounting. And I've summarized this into my top 10 reasons why we need to be done with the discounting. And I will follow it up with five ways that we can provide value in ways beyond discounting. So two things I want to say first. Number one, in my business, and I think Liz can agree with me here, I raise my prices at least once, if not twice a year. It's coming up to January, and that means it's time for a rate increase. Liz is nodding her head along. I do the same thing in January. Perfect. Yeah. So not only are we creating some urgency, but there is a sense that I know that every single six months or year, I'm getting better, I'm getting faster, I'm getting more efficient, and therefore my price, my value is going up. Notice that I haven't said my self-worth is going up. One thing that Coach Jenny taught me, she actually commented on an Instagram post and it, it shook me by the shoulders a bit. She said that one piece of well-intentioned but bad advice is to quote unquote, know your worth. And it took me a while to wrap my head around this idea of knowing your worth. And the, the problem with it is that it connects my worth, my worthiness as a human to how much I charge. And those things actually deserve to be separated. Even on my crummiest day, where I feel the most insecure and the least valuable as a human, my rate is still my rate. My rate does not fluctuate based on my feelings about self-worth. I have a post-it note on my desk that says, they are not paying you a lot of money. They are paying your fee for the service you deliver. This is not a question of self-worth. When I work with business owners and creatives, discounts come up a lot because we see them everywhere. And this is my pledge to say there is another way we can do it differently, even though it's all we're seeing. And final caveat here, Amanda, the shopper loves a discount. I am not going to turn down a 15% off discount. I will never turn down 50% off at the Gap or refuse to shop on 10% Tuesday for my groceries. And yet, as a business owner, I refuse to offer them. So insert drum roll here. Here are 10 reasons. Oh, you're welcome. That was good. That was good. It was very quiet here, but I saw that. I saw that. My hands were moving. Yes, the paws were going. <laughs> Drum roll for the 10 reasons that I think we need to ditch discounting and make it a thing of the past. Reason number one, everybody else is doing it, so it must be working, is a bad reason to discount. This is especially relevant when it comes to things like Black Friday, Boxing Day, or other traditional sales days. This is where I encourage you to ask yourself, why are you tempted to offer a discount? Let's dig into some intention. Is it to get more clients? Is it to get money in the door fast and boost your cash flow? Is it to get rid of an outdated product or excess inventory? To create buzz and get more people to know about you? Once you know what you're trying to achieve, then we can get creative about how to achieve your goal and not leave money on the table. Reason number two to ditch discounting. 
from what I know about the hundred people that have been in my Zoom room, people who are in this community are not trying to attract cheapskates. I know I'm not looking for more people who just want a discount. I'm looking for people who believe in the value I offer and are willing to pay for it. Think about your business. Are you trying to complete with the big box option that can afford the discount because of the volume? When I work with bakeries and makers of goods, I always remind them, you're not here competing with Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts or HomeSense. So if we stop comparing ourselves, we actually raise ourselves into a tier where we're no longer trying to attract cheapskate Charlies. Reason number three, you don't want to be the budget option or the lowest tier. You don't wanna be the option that people come to when they have just a tiny bit of money in their bank account and they expect the world. You wanna be thought of as the best option and an investment. In fact, I want my value and my prices to set me apart. Again, I don't want to be part of that meaty middle. I want people to see my rate and go, why is she charging that much? And really dig into the value that they get and the value I'm willing to offer. Reason number four, consider the level of commitment you want from your clients. If you're like me, you have purchased the unlimited two-week yoga or fitness pass. And you do the math. So I spent $40 on this pass and I get it for two weeks. And I do the math and say, okay, if one class is $20, then I just have to go twice to make it worth it. Then it's paid for itself. And guess what? I go twice. But all of a sudden when I'm paying the $160 monthly rate, I'm going two or three times a week. I'm invested. So when things are really low priced, it's easy for us to slack off and say, oh, forget about it. I'm not losing that much money anyways. I'm talking to those of you people who have a million free downloads and content calendars and journal prompts that have never been used. Because when it's free or inexpensive, we aren't as invested in what we're doing. Reason number five. In the words of Dr. Phil, you teach people how to treat you. Do you want to teach people to wait for your discount offer? On Wednesdays at Banana Republic, if you get the email, you can get 40% off one full priced item. Banana Republic has taught me to wait for Wednesday. And I would love to know who listening right now has ever purchased anything from Michael's craft store at full price. Liz is shaking her head. No, I know that I stand in line downloading the app again just to get the coupon. Sometimes I'll even bring Robin into the store and say, great, you have one coupon. I have one coupon so that we can get two picture frames for 40% off. Because these types of stores have taught us to wait. They have taught us to want that discount. And when it comes to my services, I don't want people waiting for my discount to purchase from me. 
I don't want them waiting all year for one Black Friday sale where I throw 20% off. That's not what I'm trying to get more of. Reason number six, being paid full price means I perform at full capacity. In order to offer my best service and experience, I need to be compensated. As soon as I'm making too little money for the work that I'm doing, starts to slide below my bar of resentment, right? This is a Coach Jenny term that has come up many times before. When I price myself too little and try to provide the same value and experience, I'm the one that misses out because not only am I grouchy about doing the work that I don't feel compensated for, but I start to resent my client and that is not their fault. It is mine for pricing myself too low. Reason number seven, Competing on price is a race to the bottom. It teaches our customer to just look at the price, not the value. So yes, we all scroll to the bottom of the sales page or flip to the back of the proposal to see the price, just like when we were in school and we would flip to the back page to see your grade. But once somebody sees that price, I want them to see it as a fact, and then go through the proposal and dig into the value. Reason number eight, you have the option to create lower tiered offers instead of discounting your primary offer. If you find yourself looking to reach more people and have a larger audience at a lower rate, Consider creating an option just for that, where you explicitly offer a product or service with a different, lower value that takes you less time and is a lower investment of your time and energy. Liz, I see you nodding along at this one. Can you give me an example of how you've done this or seen this done before? I will do this often with clients. I have different packages that I will offer all of which are above my bar of resentment, but it's very clear how much time I spend on each of those packages. So the client is well-informed. They have maybe a little bit more power in the decision-making, but I don't have to offer discounts. Exactly. I'm very similar with mine. When I created Claim Your Spotlight, I knew that it was a high-end signature program and I wanted more people in there. I do want more people, but in order to have more people, I have to create a lower tiered option. That's why I built Know My Name so that for a lower monthly fee, these people can still invest and still engage and still get the magic of what happens in this community with a different lower price tag because I'm offering different value. Reason number nine to ditch discounting. Your loyal customers already know how good you are. So offering a discount to the people who already see your value is counterintuitive. I see a lot of loyalty discounts or you're our best VIP customers. Let me give you 20% off. And I look at this and I'm like, there's got to be another way to thank and appreciate my loyal clients that doesn't involve lowering my rate. In, In fact, my most loyal clients who love what I do 
pay my invoice with a smile on their face because they get the best results. And reason number 10 why I think we need to ditch discounting is because not discounting and charging a full rate creates a different and still very valuable type of urgency because there isn't a race to get in on the deal. Instead, there's a race to get the current rate and you don't get caught up in price shopping. Your customer is no longer going from photographer to photographer looking just at the rate of an hour photography session. Instead, they're looking at who you are and what you offer. I use photographers as an example because I work with a handful of them and I know that pricing a service is incredibly hard. A friend of mine was saying that there's a stroller brand that never goes on sale. And so when it came time, to buy the stroller, she said she looked less at the price and stopped comparing between brands and instead looked at the value that this stroller was going to offer her and her family. It took away the urgency of having to see, does this place have 20% off? Can I use this coupon on it? And instead just became a, a fact. This is how much it costs. Now I can stop worrying about it. My job is just to decide when to buy the stroller, and I can stop the excessive research. There are many stores that do this that just never have a discount. And they've taught their clients that any time is a great time to buy because you're not waiting for some magic coupon to appear in your inbox. I find that by not discounting, you create an urgency to help people decide what really matters to them because it takes price off the table. Now, every rule comes with exceptions, all based on the idea that when we are put in a position where we want to discount, the exception is that we can discount only by sacrificing value. In order to put a discount on something, I have to take away some of the magic or some of the things I would traditionally offer at the full rate. When I'm launching something new or something I haven't tried, or I'm looking for people to pilot the offer, I sometimes will reduce the rate. I don't slap a 20% discount on it. I don't put it up for certain days so that inevitably everybody's going to get some kind of deal. But instead, I'm really strategic about the rate I put on it from the beginning. So for example, when I first launched Claim Your Spotlight as an eight-week program last November, I hadn't done it before. So the first four people to join were given an offer. They were given the pilot offer. Now, after having over 20 people go through this process, I have ironed out the best week-to-week -week topics. I'm more prepared going into each week. I can connect the dots more quickly and I can support my clients more efficiently and effectively in that time. Claim Your Spotlight is now nearly double the price from when I first piloted it, and it will not go down again. Liz, do you have any comments you want to make about discounting that you have seen either in your industry or with things you see online through social media that would add to the conversation? It can be really difficult sometimes, speaking from my own experience, 
to figure out pricing and discounting when you do multiple things. So I do social media and I do writing and I do content creation. So it's easy to price each of those things. But when I have a client come to me and want all three of those things, it's like, okay, (laughs) how do you figure this out? So I just, I guess I just want to say to those of you who are listening, who are in a similar situation that I am, you're not alone in, you have a potential client come through and they have needs and you have a little bit of a moment. And we've talked before on the podcast about that feeling you get when you send a proposal. It's like that holy shit feeling. I still strive for that every time I create a proposal, but I guess I just want to say that if you have a little bit of uncertainty and because you offer a combination of things, that's totally normal. I yes. guess I, I'm the example of normalcy. Yes. <laughs> I, that's totally, that's totally common. If you don't yeah. have like a cut and dry one service you offer, it can be really difficult to determine what those prices are. Absolutely. And I think sometimes that people will think that if I put a price on a proposal and on a package, it's, it's done. And oftentimes I find that when I send a project-based proposal, there has to be room to negotiate. And that doesn't always mean negotiate down and get a discount. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the negotiation, it definitely happens. I think having the tiers or the packages that I offer really helps lend to that conversation. It's like, well, this is the price of package A and this is the price of package B. If you decide you think you need something in the middle, well, well, it'll be in the middle of those two prices. Exactly. We'll pull some elements from here and we'll pull from here, but this is a conversation. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. I I a hundred percent agree that there's, there's some fear, there's some anxiety. There's definitely holy shit moments. When I send a proposal, there's a good mix of holy shit, excitement, and then hitting refresh on my inbox 30 times a minute for the next six days. I do the exact opposite. I will, I schedule the proposal. I just did this yesterday. I wrote a proposal around noon and I scheduled for it to be sent at the end of the day, my business hours, and they don't, they're not in my business hours. So it would have been after work for them. And then I try not to look at my email as much as possible for like the next day or so. Oh, um, I get so caught up in No, I, that, I you know. avoid it entirely. <laughs> oh, I love this. Just uh, for those of you keeping track, another one of the ways that Liz and I are different. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll check in a couple of times today for things that I know that I should be looking for and work that I need to do. But for the most part, I'll probably avoid my inbox today. Oh, I get too excited. For <laughs> I get too excited, but that's okay. Um, the, the rich tapestry that is different people with different lives. Hey, Liz. (laughs) So there are of course, alternatives to discounting that demonstrate value and appreciation. I have come up with five Liz. If you see any that I'm missing here, I would love to hear them because I think this is one of those conversations that gets to a place of like, okay, cool. You've told me 10 reasons not to discount. But what do I do instead? Do I really just put a price on there and let it land? And the answer is yes. But if you still feel like you have to add more value and appreciation, here are five ways to consider doing that. Number one, add in something that doesn't cost you more. For example, if you're a photographer and you commit to sending five images, would you like to send seven? 
So maybe it costs you a little bit in terms of your editing time, but you aren't offering 25 images instead of five. Do you want to print an image to send to your client? In my world, and for many who offer services, it means that if my client has a quick question or idea related to our call, I am here for it. Let's do a quick 15-minute conversation in my Zoom room or a quick email exchange. I am not going to start the clock on that time because my rate is such that I have built in time and space to allow for those one-off things that somebody might need. Number two, offer your loyal or first-time clients priority scheduling. They can get the best dates or times in your calendars, get first dibs on new offers, and these are your VIPs. So if you want to give them something, give them first access instead of a discount, because remember, they already know how good you are. They're your VIPs for a reason. Number three, you can demonstrate value and appreciation for your client by sharing the work that they are doing with your audience and support them in getting visible. If you're working with somebody and you are over the moon about what they're doing, it's an opportunity for you to share their stuff on social media, send them an email response to their newsletter, cheering them on, let them know that you're paying attention. Number four, if it works for you, offer payment plans and consider long-term offers. When clients commit for longer or pay up front, there are ways to get the cash flow that you need and make sure that your client gets the best offer. Payment plans often mean that the client may pay a little bit more, but they have time to pay. This is where we get again into that negotiating phase of every client might need something different. It has to work for both of you. And the fifth alternative that I've come up with is if this is a project with multiple elements, so similar to how Liz said, I have package A and package B, ask your client what their top priorities are so that you can figure out what they really need. And then you can figure out what you have to put in and pull out to make the price land so that it is above your bar of resentment and still encourages your client to see the full value in everything they are getting. Liz, are there any alternatives to discounting that still demonstrate this value and client appreciation that we haven't mentioned yet? I had one come up for me. When was that? I guess that was the beginning of this year where I was, I had a proposal out to a potential client and they were really happy about it. And then they told me that they have a second business and they were wondering if I could do social for both businesses at a discount. And I didn't love the idea of discounting, but I knocked off like a very, very small percentage to, to the point where I would probably have forgotten that this happened, but it made them feel happy. And I got double the business. Uh, exactly. So I, I ended up, I was making more money. I like doubled the invoice I was sending every month. Right. So ultimately that paid off for me. It was a little concession I was happy to make. Right. And that leads beautifully into, <laughs> I got too excited. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
That leads beautifully into what I think is the most important point, the so what, the takeaway of this episode is that we have to accept that there are always exceptions to the rule and use our best judgment. My hope is that your best judgment now involves you thinking back to some of these reasons and thinking back into, do I want to attract cheapskate clients? Do I want clients who hire me once a year only when I have a Black Friday sale? Or do I want clients who value me, value my price, and find a way to make the money so that they can pay me and get full value in the service? I'm going to do a personal plug here for any creative entrepreneur who is listening to this. I talk about pricing in my Zoom room all day long. And as I've told you, My rates in January, 2022 are going up. So if you want to talk through packages, pricing, how to make sure that you are delivering value and not leaving money on the table, get into my Zoom room, send me a DM on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or find me at theamandawagner.com. I have space for private coaching clients. So back to this post-it note that I have on my desk, I encourage you to write it down for yourself and keep it here. It says, they are not paying you a lot of money. They are paying your fee for the service you deliver. My hope is that we can all collectively raise the bar and offer better and deliver more results instead of taking the easy way out of slapping a discount on everything. So here's what I want to know. And I want you to join us on Instagram to answer this question. What could become possible for you if you raised your rates and or resisted the urge to discount? What could happen for your business? What could happen for your life? I want to know what would become possible for you. Today's WWAWD is perfect for this episode. This question comes from Jenna. And so we've talked this whole episode about raising rates, really kind of speaking from the the idea that there are existing rates to raise. But Jenna's question is about starting. She says, how do you determine pricing when you start? I'm launching my consulting business in the new year. It's happening and I'm excited slash totally terrified. How do I determine that very first set of prices? Is it hourly, a flat rate? Is there a best practice? What do you think, AW? Jenna, I hear you. And the number one thing I'm going to say is that your first price is going to probably have that holy shit effect on you because I'm going to encourage you to price higher than you think you can. The reason is because I don't want you to start getting cheapskate clients. I also don't want you to underestimate the value that you bring to the table, your experience, your education, your time, your expertise, All of those things contribute to what you can charge. So when it comes to research, this is a really muddy area. And what I would encourage you to do is set a timeline. So set 30 minutes or an hour and say, this is as much research as I am doing. And I want you to look at some people who are in your industry. Chances are, if you've been building a brand, you've done some research on who your competitors are already. So have a look at their prices and resist the urge to lowball. Now, when it comes to hourly work versus project rates versus flat rate, 
in terms of a best practice, I think it really depends on what you're doing. So you're saying you're launching a consulting business. Hourly seems to be really convenient, especially in the beginning. And knowing that you have an hourly rate can be really comfortable if a client needs a couple hours here or a couple hours there. So an hourly rate sounds like it makes sense until a certain point. And the reason that I say that, Liz and I will share a YouTube video about pricing in the show notes that I encourage you to watch. Where hourly work becomes not worth it is when you are so good and so efficient that what you used to be able to do in three hours, you can now do in one hour. So all of a sudden the hourly rate makes way less sense because if I'm charging $150 an hour, but I can do some really incredible work in that time, then shouldn't I actually be charging more because my client's getting better results? It's like being kind of double dinged where not only is my rate low, but I do something so fast and efficient that I'm actually being dinged for being so good at what I do. Everybody knows the the plumber analogy. I will share it here again. I can pay a brand new apprentice plumber to do something to my drains and it takes this person two hours and it's $400. I could also get a plumber who's been doing it for 20 years, who does the job in half an hour and it's still $400. So in my mind, I can look at this and go, well, I should be paying less because it only took this plumber half an hour, but it took this plumber 20 years to get all the experience to go that quickly. So Jenna, explicit plug, get in my Zoom room. This is a hundred percent right for some private coaching to figure out how to price yourself in the tier where you want to be and to resist the urge to price yourself so low. I will tell you that I saw a new business coach come out in on Instagram. And I saw that her rate was $300 for three sessions. And instantly I thought, Ooh, okay. Number one, starting in January, I, my rate is a thousand dollars for three sessions. And frankly, for the work that happens in this room for consultants and coaches If I'm doing life and business changing work and helping you get those massive results, hell yes, it should be more than $100 an hour. So when I I know when I saw that rate, I instantly could pay attention and go, oh, the average woman pays for a nice haircut and color for $300. And yet you're spending three hours with this person to potentially transform their life, their work, their business, their family absolutely needs to have a higher value price tag. So I I wish that I could tie this answer up in a little bow and tell you, here's the best practice, here's to start. But I think what you really need to do, limit your research time, put a price on it and know that that price is not permanent. You can change it as many times as you want. And one of the signals that I have seen is that if you are getting oodles and oodles of people coming in your door, it might mean that your price is too low and it's time to increase that rate because everybody's trying to jump in on the ground floor and that's where you're going to start resenting people. 
Liz, anything to add to this conversation? I know that, that you're very in tune with pricing packages, flat rates. Anything to add here? Your approach might change. When I started, I was doing a lot of hourly. Now I'm mostly project-based, but there is some work that I still do that's hourly because it's just what makes the most sense. So I think once you kind of determine what works best for you, just know that that'll change. Not only will the prices change, but your approach might change. Absolutely. A, a bit of a hybrid model now, depending upon what type of work I'm doing, who the client is, how long the time commitment is, that sort of thing. So pretty, pretty flexible over here. Yeah. And it's not, it's not clear across the board, right? Your rate for writing is different than your rate for podcast production. It's different than your rate for, for teaching or for social media support. And there are definitely things that are going to change similar. My speaking rate is very different than my business strategy rate. One thing that I do know for sure is that I had to practice and I had to learn because originally I had an hourly rate and one-off sessions were available. What I found after a couple months of doing it was that doing 25 Zoom calls a month and having to send an individual invoice to every single person wasn't working for me anymore. And so now I've built it in that if you are a private coaching client, I need to see you regularly so that we can build that momentum because it is far too much for me to see you once every two months and expect that I still know what's going on. So not only does our price change, our method changes, our way of thinking about packages and tiers changes. And I agree, leaving some space to learn and grow is, is an absolute must. Jenna, I really hope that this, this doesn't muddy the waters, but instead it gives you a place to start with some research and some resources here that are on your team to help you. While you are starting out, please resist being one of those people who offers a discount and start off on the right full priced foot with us. Thank you so much for your question, Jenna. Please keep submitting your questions to us. You can do that via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, or you can send an email via the website, theamandawagner.com. We have given you 10 reasons we think you need to ditch the discounts, five alternatives so that you are still providing ultimate value and appreciation for your new and loyal clients. And I want to know what could become possible if you raised your rates and resisted the urge to discount. Please join us at the Amanda Wagner on Instagram and join the conversation. If you want to be a big deal and be a leader in your industry, but don't want to do it alone or don't have people who relate to big ambition, know my name is designed for you. Starting in January, us ambitious humans will meet twice per month to explore ideas and challenges that directly impact our ambition and our desire for more. If this sounds like you, please send me a DM on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or check out theamandawagner.com and we will send you all the details. There are only 10 people accepted into this program for January, so get in on that list. And if you need to make your social media channels better, maybe you need a little bit of strategy or better content or need some help with your blog, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit LizPittman.com. I know I am fired up. I have broken a sweat. I'm like, put me in coach. Let's go write some proposals. Let's raise some rates. Let's look at my website again and making sure that I am speaking to value and results. 
I hope that you are just as fired up as we are. And I hope that I never see a discount on your page again. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Can you hear that leaf blower outside? No. Oh my God. It started about halfway through the episode. It's oh, yeah. so loud. I can't it's hear it. So <laughs> is Mabel at daycare? She is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quiet dog, loud leaf blower. Yeah. <laughs>